Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm here today with uh, one of the hottest 170-pounders, literally and, figur- okay, and figuratively, Alan Juban is here, coming off a huge win over Richard Walsh. How's it going, man? Good, man. Things have been good ever since the fight. Good to be here. Yeah, he's here. And then we have uh, my one of my favorite comedians uh, who helped me write a bunch of the MMA award sketches, Tyler Bowe. What's going on, you guys? Uh, Tyler Bowe's here. Uh, we, we actually recorded this on Tuesday with Marina and Jake, but uh, there was a sound issue. Uh, I'm not going to blame anyone. It just, uh, there was a sound issue. <laughs> and it wasn't my fault. But um, there was a, so we had to re-record. So Jake and uh, Marina will be here next week. Uh, they're going to be here next Tuesday along with Alice Cooper. Uh, but today we have, uh, Alice Cooper's going to be on the show. He's, he's, he's calling in. Um, but today we have, uh, we have Gary Goodrich, Big Daddy, as well as Tim Means, the Dirty Bird. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Um, my week, my week has been good. I was in, uh, last week I was, I did the, the, the Trippin' Tuesdays at the comedy store, mostly black, uh, comics, black audiences members and and me, uh, I had, I had a blast there. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, where was that? Wednesday I had, I had a bar gig where, uh, it was like some crazy bar in Manhattan beach where there was this Asian dude walked in and this girl with huge boobs. And I was like, wow, this is the first time you ever saw a a D. (laughs) Which uh, that was cool, and I was in Rochester, New York, which United totally screwed me up because uh, one of those things, you know, as a comic, I hate flying in the night before because you just kind of kill a day. Yeah. But when you fly to New York or something, you should. But I'm like, you know what? The flight gets in at four o'clock. The gig's at seven thirty. I'll be all right. Which is as soon as I famous as I, last words. Famous last words. The flight took off a half hour late. Uh, was on the runway for an hour extra because there was some kind of crash in new york or something amongst planes where no one got hurt or 30 people 30 people got hurt or something so then it was like they had to reroute me to buffalo to drive to rochester which would get in an hour late i got the promoter yelling at me you're fucking me up you're fucking me up this and that so finally i find out that there's actually a flight that goes to rochester that they they don't tell me about so so i run down you know to catch it and then the lady behind the counter is like well what time's your gig i'm like i'm a comic i have to get in there what time's your gig uh it's tonight well who's your manager uh uh, I'm, I'm like, what should at United, I? She asked yeah, you United. Like, like you're gonna be like, like you're gonna say, and she go, oh yeah, we went. <laughs> She's like, I used to be a manager, and I would never book my acts. I'm like, I'm not here to discuss my career with you right now. <laughs> so then we get into a huge fight at the counter, but she gets me on the plane. I actually yeah. get there, but of course my luggage isn't there, so uh, so I have no luggage for three days uh, in Rochester, which of course then you can't even masturbate because you're wearing the same underwear. <laughs> so I had to go to Walmart to buy new clothes. Did you have to pay her a commission on that? gig for getting her uh, I should have she, <laughs> she kept telling me just pay it forward this black woman she was really really sweet but she gave me a whole like Jesus speech while I was on the plane uh, but she was really nice um, she didn't kind of but so <laughs> I ended up going to Walmart to buy clothes and of course the lady at the register is sneezing all over you know and she has a big Creed tattoo which <laughs> which is good because no matter how bad her life gets it'll never be as bad as a fact when she got a Creed, a Creed tattoo <laughs> on her arm so then, so then flying back to United right same thing happens a uh, half hour I, I get to the counter uh you know my flight's late doesn't get in this whole thing I, I, I like get in because it was one of those things where i like i had a half hour to get to the next flight and that 
actually uh, left early. There was no way for me to get there. I run to get it, and I, I can see that I can see the plane hasn't left yet. The lady's like, the door closed. I'm like, just open the door. I'll get on the plane. Sorry, you have to go reissue the ticket. So I'm like, United fucking sucks. I I, 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 so I walk away all angry. I go to get a new ticket. I have to go to the same gate the lady's at. So I, after making that huge United fucking sucks, I have to go back there. Hey, it's me again. It's me again. And then she was like, listen, I'm sorry. And then we both apologized. And you know, it was one of the, one of those things where it was like. So anyway, so I had shows every night of the week. I got five shows this week. Alan, uh, as, 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 bad, <laughs> as bad as my life seems, which is yeah. not. I, I, it sounded I, like a smooth trip. Yeah. I, I, I love what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to do what I love. You, mm. I mean, Alan Juban, I don't think you guys understand. When I walked into Legends Gym seven mm. years ago, there was Alan. We, we wrestled outside on this little octagon that was on the street, basically. This kid had no wrestling skills. I mean, he literally was like this like, good-looking model kid that I was like trying to get auditions for Runway or something. He <laughs> is now one, I think he's undefeated in the UFC. I, I, don't, I don't count that as a loss against Waldney Alves. He did not lose that fight. Mm. He's, he's 3-0. and on the top echelon, you're you're fucking killing it, man. How are you? Thank you, brother. Yeah, good to be here. Um, I feel good, man. Like you said, uh, yeah, you know, I'm two and one officially in the UFC. The World Alves fight, you know, could have gone either way. I thought I got robbed, but that aside, man, coming off of the victory uh, two weeks ago over uh, Richard Walsh at UFC 184, um, it was just awesome, man, to be bumped up to the pay per view card. I was honestly, even though I was bumped up to the pay per view, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, the card was like a super stacked card, you know, all these super fights, and I was really looking forward to all these really good fights and being just a part of a, such a stacked card. Obviously, the fights got kind of the card got kind of dismantled, and uh, fights went other places. Some people got hurt, but. With that said, it gave me the opportunity to get bumped up to my first pay-per-view card, get to fight on, you know, with Ronda Rousey and uh, Jake and and uh, Tony Ferguson and all these great guys. So um, it was just a huge opportunity, man. And um, I mean, if you watch the fight, you could see me coming out of the tunnel. I mean, I was freaking electric. I mean, I just had like so much adrenaline pumping through my veins. You were in LA for a hometown. You had everyone there for you. Now, in that first, he clipped you a couple times. Were you hurt at all? No, no, never hurt. I mean, he uh, he surprised me a little bit with his striking, man. He came out very aggressive. He actually had uh, uh, somewhat of a hero of mine in his corner, John Wayne Parr, for the, yeah. those of you who you know follow Muay Thai, Australian a legend. He's been in the on the sport podcast before. Thai. Super okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, super cool guy, man. He's hilarious as well. If you follow him on Instagram, John Wayne Parr, he's hilarious on Instagram. I follow him. I'm always commenting on his stuff. And next thing I know, he was cornering against me with Richard Walsh. But turns out it was just kind of a ploy, man. It was kind of a mental, stra uh, strategic kind of thing. He's never trained with, uh, with – it turns out Richard Walsh tells me after the fight, he's never even trained with John Wayne Parr a day in his life. He just, they just both happened to be in L.A. the same time as my fight. He knew I was a Muay Thai guy, and he also knew that I was a fan of – John Wayne Parr. So yeah. he had kind of announced. What it. a dick! Yeah, yeah. So exactly, he was doing that exactly. just to fuck with you. It's yeah, you know, it's it's, it's strategic type. Well, they're from stuff, the same t from uh, Australia, right? Both they're both from Australia. They do have that kind of background, but yeah, they hadn't even trained together. But you know, it it, it worked because my entire camp, man, me and my uh, my striking coach Julio at Saxon Muay Thai, we were thinking, man, we're like, okay, he's got John Wayne Parr on this one. He's gonna be <laughs> studying my footage. We gotta come. Prepared for you this fight. You should have one-upped him and gotten like Paul Hogan. I should, uh, <laughs> Paul Hogan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, that would have been great. Crocodile Dundee yeah, in your okay, okay, and be okay, like, what you. now? That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like wrestling. Like, with Paul and, Hogan. Yeah. and he has like, like a knife. Sweet. He's like, he has a knife. That's a knife. Yeah. Yeah. During the fight. He's like yeah. the Australian Steven Seagal. Exactly. So. Now, oh, that would have been, yeah. That been but, now, but now afterwards, you were saying before the show, you guys went out afterwards. 
We went out afterward. He turns out, man. Not, not you and John Wayne, but you and. Not uh, me and John Wayne. I wish we would have got to hang out a little more. No, me and Richard Walsh, turns out, he's actually a super cool guy. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm at the point in my career where I don't have to hate my opponent, but I like to have a little bit of animosity. It, it just makes for a more exciting fight. I really can't stand it when you see two fighters embracing and loving each other. If, if, you're, uh, if you're Randy Couture and this is your retirement fight and you're a former world champion and this is kind of your last go, then, yeah, you, 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 you're allowed to hug it out in the last round or shake hands or do whatever you want to wave to the crowd. But if you're two up-and-coming fighters trying to make a name for yourself, I, I really can't stand it when guys are embracing and hugging at the weigh-ins <laughs> and every round they're shaking hands. That is, that is annoying. As a guy watching it, you see these guys, they touch gloves once. It's lame. Twice. It's lame. I think who was it? It was like Uriah Hall and the guy from uh, exactly. John Howard. Exactly. They yeah, kept yeah. high-fiving. And right, I'm, and, and I'm a huge fan of uh, Uriah Hall, but I didn't like seeing that at all because it takes the it takes the tension. The animo- it's like watching guys spar. Especially, yeah. if you, especially, which I don't bet on fights, but if I had money on that fight, I'd be going crazy if yeah. i had money on uriah hall and he keeps high-fiving the guy this is a big like, deal. Yeah. Dude, yeah i have a hundred i have a hundred grand on you what are you doing this is yeah. not a you know so back to your thing though yeah richard walsh me and he, he's actually shooting a documentary and he wanted to get together after the fights i've never done that that was a first for me i've had a beer with my opponent but i've never like gone out to dinner with him a couple days later so uh is yeah, that weird I mean, knowing that you beat him is it a little bit is he making jokes at all like, it was a little bit awkward man because he had a be. film crew there he had his coaches there and they're like you know making light of the whole john wayne Parr thing but but at the same time as awkward as it was like i said he was a super cool guy um but you get to know a little insight on what they thought of you what you thought of them you know he was telling me stuff that they were really working on, stuff that they, they thought was my strengths watching my fight. So it's kind of interesting, you know, to get inside the head of your opponent after you fought him already. That's crazy. Now, uh, now afterwards, I, I, now I still can't believe you're married. That, that totally mm. bothers me because, waste, right? because uh, <laughs> what a waste. Because you, you could have had any chick in L.A. that mm. night. I mean, you go out there. I mean, girls like, oh. I mean, there's like this puddles of, of, like, of, of vag juice oh, all, over, all over the arena, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, all it's these girls. And, they, and they're like, oh, Alan, Alan. I, I see it. I see girls around you. I mean, is your wife, I mean, she, does she have to work extra duty to be like, listen, your wife is smoking hot. Thank she's, you. She came you. to my show. This hot Asian chick <laughs> after a kid. I mean, she's still like, <laughs> she's she's still a ten. But um, I mean, is it is it hard? Are, are you like at all like wondering, man? You know, I, I guess it's a problem that I'm fortunate enough not to have. But you know, I guess uh, you know, if you're married to somebody who's starting to be successful, then um. It probably does put some pressure in their corner, but maybe it's a good thing. You know, it keeps her on her toes. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. But like, you know, but, sure. but afterwards, is she just like, is she doing double BJ duty? Is she, I mean, <laughs> oh, no. She's just, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how to respond to that one. <laughs> well, I mean, well, she's Asian, she, so probably yes. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but... Um. No, she's, uh, let me just take this down. Uh, she's very supportive of my career. <laughs> that's good. All right. She's very supportive. This is a safe answer. Nice. That's good. Well, good for you, man. I mean, you're living the dream. Yeah, you're, you're on top of the world right now. Now, you're fighting Brian Ebersol next. Who, yeah. uh, are, now, are, now, there's a lot of, this is a tough guy to fight because A, he comes out with a, I mean, cartwheel a, a cartwheel yeah. kick, which he's actually knocked someone out with that in 20 seconds. So are you preparing for the cartwheel? Man, the thing about Brian Ebersol and his court real quick is, um, man, that's my move too. <laughs> and, uh, it really is. If I'm, you guys not, both do cartwheels at the same time. I, I swear. Um, it's it's going to be interesting, man, because the court real kick, this is kind of something I've never even spoke about, so I'm kind of 
I don't know. I, I the cartwheel kick is something I feel like everybody in, a, in in the UFC right now who's a striker is in a race to land. You know, once you're <laughs> yeah. the first to land that kick, it becomes your kind of move. Really, you yeah. have you actually done it before? No, I land it all the time. I mean, like I would <laughs> Come say, on, you're joking. I honestly think that if if you had to like take the guys who are trying it right now, like Anthony Pettis, his brother, little Pettis, <laughs> Sergio, um, Sergio Pettis, and then um, Max Holloway, and then also Machida. These yeah. guys have all thrown it in fights. I've thrown it as well. Um, I bet you I'm in the higher percentage than most of those guys and landing it in the gym. So as far as He's gym kidding, time, right? I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100%, 100%, I know that move. I'm, 100% I'm familiar with that move. I wanted to ask you about the somersault punch because that's another... <laughs> no, no, he really listen. does it, though. I mean, all jokes aside, this guy has legitimately landed and knocked out an opponent. People thought it was the guy through the fight. They were like, there's no way this guy's hurt. He actually landed that punt, that kick yeah. before. He throws it such a weird way, too. It's not the normal way. Like, the guy who's, like, the godfather of the cartwheel kick would be a guy named Sanshai, who's a uh, little Thai guy, fights in Thailand. And if you, if you watch, like, Thai, Muay Thai, Thai guys in, in Thailand, he's, like, the godfather. He does all these crazy moves. And that's who most people refer to when you want to learn these crazy kind of moves. And that's who I referred to years ago. But I was all, I was I was completely honest about that. In in sparring, I probably landed I want to say fifty percent of the time. You're joking? Like, you, no, I'm serious. Fifty percent of the time, I'll land a kick to the head, and so I feel like I'm in a race every time I watch Anthony Pettis fight. I'm thinking, don't land it, don't land it, because I want to be the first to land it, man. It's like I feel like there's a race going. He's on, he's so. being serious, Evan. I'm one hundred percent serious. <laughs> wow. So it's just kind of ironic that I'm, we're, I'm going to be fighting Brian Evasol, who actually teaches seminars on this freaking kick. Um, <laughs> Are you kidding? He does, I swear, I've looked it up on YouTube, and he's like, he's doing, a, he has a seminar on it. I mean, I don't know if the whole seminar is based around it, but that's the one of the moves that he's showing during a seminar what's the what's the advantage to the cartwheel is it just because it's a crazy setup it comes out of nowhere or is it like more powerful because of the cartwheel like it's, what's the it's just kind of the whole same kind of concept of look low kick high yeah, kind, yeah. kind of thing uh i'm changing my levels I'm, I'm i'm changing my levels and all the kick comes out of nowhere you know and wow my head's going left my foot's coming up on the right kind if of you thing. really if you land this that would be legendary it's going to be crazy that's what are you are you going to throw it I'm def if I, I I've already envisioned the fight that he comes out we touch hand we touch gloves and then he throws the somersault kick the, the cartwheel <laughs> kick on me and then uh, of course I'm the kind of guy that sometimes you're like I want to one up you so it, it's gonna be an exciting <laughs> fight man it's just so, two two guys for five cartwheel. minutes just cartwheeling cartwheeling around <laughs> like, yeah yeah cartwheel, I believe you I actually might, believe you yeah and the thing is he, Brian Eversall is the kind of guy that he's a crowd pleaser man he'll go for He'll go for high-risk stuff because he has such good defense. The guy's got, I'm sure it all, close to 70 fights, but in real life he said close to 90 professional fights. He's never been knocked out, and I don't think he's ever been guillotined as well. So he's got this kind of like very veteran, wily-type um, defense, and, but it, it lights a fire under my ass, to be honest, man. He's never been knocked out. That's, that's all of a sudden. That's, that's my goal, to knock him out. And then, you know, he throws all these crazy kicks and stuff, and it's stuff that I actually work on on a daily basis. So, all in all, man, this is a fight that I wouldn't sleep on, man. There's a bunch of big heavyweight guys on this card and some well-known names, but... Um, when is the card? Uh, June 6th, June 6th in New Orleans, my home state of Louisiana. So it's going to be the place I'm gonna try gonna to be go. rocking, man. I'm going to try to do a show the night crazy. before. Please do I'm gonna, it, man. I'm, I'm going to try. Tyler, want to do it? Let's do it. I'm, seriously, if I, if I get a bar in New Orleans, we'll have a show. We'll, have, we'll do a night before the show. If there's it, someone man, in New Orleans right now Let's listening. Do it. Dude, Honestly. It, it's going to be insane. Yeah, if someone's in New Orleans listening, do it. I think I'm, I might even be, I'll confirm later, but I'm hosting an after party after. But it's going to be nuts, man. New Orleans, 20,000 people in New Orleans in an arena. Is like fifty thousand somewhere else. Uh, now we gotta do it. Adam and I will come out. We'll bring uh, Richard Walsh with us. We'll all have <laughs> no. I'm serious. <laughs> exactly. I'm being serious. Now are you? Now I know Here he has. Come. Now Brian's known for his chest hair. 
the arrow. That's le- legitimately. Hero. He has he has an arrow. Uh, are you gonna have your own arrow? I, I mean, I, if I could grow a harrow, I might even do it. But my chest is, uh, yeah, my chest is pretty smooth, man. Oh, I, I was gonna happening. say if you because his, his arrow is going up, right? Yeah, then I can. <laughs> you maybe have go one going a, down. down one. <laughs> you have an arrow going down versus an arrow going up. Yeah, or a, sur- or a winding road. Yeah, <laughs> winding I wish road. I could one up him on that one. But yeah, he's a hairy guy, dude. Yeah, he's a tough guy to fight. I'm trying to think because I mean, everyone says how great your jujitsu is. You're a brown belt under Eddie Bravo. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who'd never been submitted. You know, you have knockout power, never been knocked out. He's yeah. he's he's a real hard guy to train for. Uh, who and now to get a guy that emulates what he does in sparring has got to be tough. No, um, man, it, you, the way you say it puts it very interesting. Um, I like the way you put that. Uh, I don't think I can really mimic him so much, but I think when I do my pad work, I'm gonna pretty much look at all the crazy high risk moves that he does, and I'm just gonna get my 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 pad my my striking coach to go over those with me. I just want to make sure that I don't get caught. I don't land that he doesn't land any kind of you know any kind of crazy strikes on me. I don't want that. I want to stay away from the from the dangerous stuff. And then really just I think going with multiple sparring partners is the best way to do it because he's southpaw, but he likes to switch a lot. He's uh, got a wrestling background, but he also is very he has very good ground and pound, and he stands and bangs with everybody. He stood, I think he stood with Hector Lombard for like yeah. I mean he stands with everybody. And even he's though he's seen not really a he's seen guys guy. like you. You've never fought a guy like him. So adva- exactly. advantage him. However, right, the right. one advantage I think that you have over most of these guys is number one, you got into it late in the game. Mm-hmm. You didn't start wrestling when you were four exactly. and cut weight your whole life, and and you're burned out by 25. Right. You know, you started MMA what at 19 or something? Or no, I mean, I I, I walked into a gym at 25. I'm 33 <laughs> now, so I, I mean, I've been doing it for about 10 years or so. Which 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 I mean, to think about it, okay. So Alan, not to not to you know blow you, okay, but but to, mm-hmm. but to Alan at 25 walked into a gym. Is there a basketball player in the history of the NBA yeah. that walked into a court at 25 and at 33 yeah. hey, what are you guys is one of there? the top uh, NBA players? You say? Yeah. It doesn't happen. But no, I, I completely agree, man. I, I've thought about this so many times in my head. That's the, the cool thing. That's what makes fighting so real, though, and stuff. You know, because in fighting, even though you have to take years and years of building your technique and skill level, it's, there's no fighting is the one sport how am I trying to put this? The one sport that doesn't have pr- as many props or a game advantage to it. You know what I mean? Like, 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 uh, uh, there's always a chance in fighting that anybody could win. You know, the whole puncher's chance. Um, if you took Serena Williams in tennis and you had some random person off the street try to battle Serena Williams in a, in a tennis match, there's like 99.9% chance this guy would lose. There's no freaking way. <laughs> but if you took some drunk at a bar and put him in a cage with Chuck Liddell, there's always a chance that the guy could land a haymaker or something. Right. You know what I mean? So fighting is just like there's less game, there's less game advantage and props advantage to it. And that's the thing about it, man. You can come into fighting and, and at, at a late age or whatever, and as long as you work on you know the fundamentals and, and everything, you could be very... That's what I love about yeah. wrestling. Because when I, when I wrestled, I remember, I remember like thinking that I could be good at this because if I want it more. And I remember going to wrestling camp at University of Iowa, Dan Gable's wrestling camp, and Chad Zapital, who was a four-time All-American, I think he took second three mm-hmm. times in a row, which is another, which is rough. They, they call it bridesmaid in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, but he, I remember him giving a speech saying he could stand under a basketball net and jump for his entire life, and he'll never be able to dunk a basketball. Exactly. But if he goes on a wrestling mat and he stays after, comes early, after early, he could work he, his he, way up. He yeah. could work his way up, and that's one of those sports. And so I think fighting is, is similar, where if if you you could be as good as you want it. Granted, there's always going to be those guys, like 
let's say John Jones, mm-hmm. who who has a genetic who, advantage, genetic almost. advantage works his ass off. But let's just say, okay, John Jones. Three brothers. Two brothers are in the NFL. You yeah. know, he's they be thing. selling that sperm. Uh, I mean, that's a yeah. very, very talented. Like, it's a very, sperm. It's right a very talented gene pool right there. Yeah. However, John Jones also works his ass off. It's not like he just you could just have two brothers and just walk into a cage. I mean, yeah. you, you not to diminish that. Yeah. However, you know, uh, like they, they say, talent beats hard work. Uh, no, what is it? Hard work beats talent when, when, yeah. when, when talent doesn't work hard. When talent does work hard, yeah. then you really got a problem. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree, man. Like, like you said, when you get to the highest, highest levels, then yes, it becomes, if you're a black belt in every martial art and the other guy's a black belt in martial art, then it kind of comes down to either who wants it more, who has more heart, or who has the genetic advantage. But when you're cl- still climbing that ladder, man, it just becomes, like you said, I, I could probably never dunk a basketball in my life, and, and I'll never probably be good at tennis because I didn't start when I was four. But I walked into an MMA gym at 25, having watching Bloodsport and Rocky my whole life, and it was just <laughs> in my blood. And then when I got in there, I just never left the gym. You, I've been training twice a day for 10 years now, and now I'm in the UFC. And you're also, you're also a family guy. You don't mm-hmm. party. Yeah. You, you don't do drugs. I mean, you're a guy that I, I, I mean, even like, it's so annoying because these three girls came to my show, all mm-hmm. cute, Christy McKeon, mm-hmm. uh, all these like pro pro fighters, mm-hmm. and they're like, Alan, oh, he's oh. a Family Guy, <laughs> Alan. You should see how how it's like weird th- that it's a turn on. Oh, it's such a turn on to these chicks. I'm just like, and I'm kind of happy, but then I met, I met your wife, then I was upset again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, what were you saying, Tyler? Oh, I was just going to comment. I think because, like you said, every people do have a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways because I think anybody does have a chance. But uh, if you are a professional fighter, you have to be that much more on point mm-hmm. because you can get caught. So to be at the highest level like you are, you have to. You still have to be great because because anything can happen. Yeah, that's why uh, I don't know. That's why no, MMA no, is so. I, I know. I lo- that's why I love MMA. Like you said. I mean, there's nothing like I'm, I'm watching a basketball game and the, and the team's up by 30 in the fourth. Yeah. Okay. Some dude's not going to hit a 30 point. Yeah, you can't hit it unless that's <laughs> one of those add one games where those little like marks. But yeah, it's not gonna, it's not going to happen. But in, in MMA, I mean, there's always remember that Todd Duffy yeah, fight absolutely. where he lost to the who's that yeah. guy he lost to? Exactly. That's Mike the point. Russo. No, Mike Russo. That was yeah. one of the craziest yeah. comebacks yeah, I've ever seen, and that's what I, I love is that you get this like out of shape cop uh, <laughs> against yeah, right. a guy who who looks like I mean he was created in a lab which I think maybe he was uh, and then the out of shape cop pulls it off now let's talk about 185 uh, we got we got a bunch of things coming up 185 this Saturday Rafael Dos Anjos against Anthony Pettis uh, oh thanks man oh, now nice. this is gonna be uh, uh, this is gonna be a good fight I, I, you know what I mean I know Jake trains with Dos Anjos and he says he's probably the one of the best guys at Kings. Top, he said he's the hardest guy to spar with, uh, which is funny. If you know what's funny about this this fact, both these guys lost to Clay Guida, uh, which uh, yeah. is which is uh, oh, interesting fact. Those Anjos and Pettis. So Clay Guida is really the champion, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. So by decision, I'm, I'm betting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, who wins this fight? Uh, let's go with you, Alan, first. Man, this is a tough one, man. I, I honestly, I'm still kind of up in the air with it. I feel that Pettis is just the more sharper fighter and will have a bit of a speed advantage. I think uh, Dos Anjos is going to be the stronger and hit uh, more aggressive and guy that hits harder. Um, man, this is a tough one to call. I saw, I was watching Embedded this morning uh, as well, and I was watching um, the, the pre-weigh-ins. When we, get to the, when we get to weigh-in, when we get to the fight camp, like the day of, the week of, they weigh us in right away just to see where our weight's at. And I noticed that Dos Anjos weighed in about, I think it was about five pounds heavier 
than Pettis on like, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'm assuming that he's also going to come into the cage probably two or three pounds heavier, which isn't a lot. But when you're fighting for a title, every advantage counts. So I assume Dos Anjos is going to be a little bit bigger than, than Pettis and also be a bit stronger. But Pettis having the speed advantage and such a slick striker, it's hard not to bet on the champion, even though I'm a fan of both of these guys. But if I had to put money down, man, I mean, you can't bet against a champion when it's so cl- too close to call. So you're putting uh, Anthony Pettis. Pettis. Tyler. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's you got the champ. He's His striking's dynamic. And I feel like Dos Anjos is more of a grinder. And so I don't know. It's like you don't know if it's going to be like, uh, like a KO or something like that. Or if it grinds out to a decision, then maybe – uh, Dos Anjos, and it seems like Pettis, like you know, like with the loss to Quig, Clay Guida, like he, yeah. he's. I'm not say he struggles with wrestlers, but like um, he definitely wants to keep it standing. Um, well, well, yeah. I mean, so you, you're picking Pettis. Uh, yeah, Dude, got the I, I thought Pettis looked terrible in his last fight against against uh, Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he pulled it off in the second. The first, he got hit a lot. If he gets hit like that against Dos Anjos, it's going to be lights out. Right. Uh, yeah. Dosanios, I mean, hurt Ben Henderson. When do we ever really see Ben Henderson hurt? I mean, we see him hurt, but not hurt to the point where he gets he gets caught and and, and stopped. Um, but Pettis hurt him also. Uh, However, yeah, him. this is a tough one to call. I think we, I think Pettis because the fact that he's been around, he's been in the, that big fight so many times. Yeah. Where Dosanios, this is his first time up. This is his first time main eventing. This is the first time getting all the cameras on him. This is the first time doing all the interviews. But he seems like the kind of guy where that stuff doesn't even phase him. Like he just uh, how well, based on what? I don't know. He just seems like that, like <laughs> yeah. that guy that's like kind of flying under the radar. Like I, I and mean, then you look at his record and you go, oh, cra- like. But it's easy to fly under the radar when you're under the radar, <laughs> versus when you're actually it's fight week and you got to do ten thousand interviews and these, and, these guys know. are both super experienced. I mean, they both have twenty fights plus fights. So I mean, I don't know if. That is too much of an advantage, but referring to the championship rounds and all that type of stuff, Pettis, even though you didn't like the way he looked in his last fight, he's been just looking so calm and relaxed in all these big fights. You know, yeah. he's got all the, not only the big fights, but he's got, you know, the, the, the Wheaties box, all these other big things going on outside of his life that you would think put even more tremendous pressure on him going into the fight. But he's finishing guys, man. He's not going to decisions. He's finishing guys and finishing them early. So it's hard not to give him the nod. All right, Pettis. Now, Carla Esparza versus Joanna I, it looked like someone took alphabet soup and just put it together. Yeah, I up. mean, she's got to just change it to up, yeah. like Joanna Jed, Jedi or something. Because this is like, I, I don't even understand. How do you have that many consonants in a row? It looks Joanna like Jed. less of like a name and more of like a really bad start to a great game of Scrabble. Yeah, really. It looks like an STD or something. Jed like you, you have Jed uh, chicks. Uh, so, so now listen, Carla, uh, she's been going through a tough time as far as like, she's now she's complaining that Reebok doesn't care about her, yeah. they're, 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 which is bullshit. The fact that Reebok is, I understand Paige Van Zandt's super hot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and she's young and she's got that like playmate thing and life, life's not fair. But Paige has one fight in, in yeah. the UFC against a girl who also had one fight. I mean, I understand you want to get in early, but it is a little bullshit that Carla Esparza has been around here for a long time, was the Invicta champion, won the Ultimate Fighter. What, you don't think it's bullshit? Carla's also had one UFC fight. One UFC fight. It's the fight. eye yeah. of the public. But it's the, but it's no the Invicta. Who gives a fuck how many fights she had on on in, on Invicta? Know, I liked Invicta. Or in, or in Invicta. No she was Invicta. a champ in Invicta. Reebok knows. No one knows what Invicta is. <laughs> All right. Well, they both have one UFC fight. So because the girl's hotter, you, 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 you give her the sponsorship yes. versus the girl. No, that's <laughs> no. bullshit. She, and she has no. personality. Uh, pers- Carla's got a good personality. I mean, I, I don't know. I like Carla, but it's. 
pretty damn clear why she got that. Yeah, and, and Carla, and Carla but, yeah, but it seems friends. like Carla's been saying, like, no one cares about my fight. Maybe I should get a blonde wig, yeah. uh, this and that, which is not what she should be focused on. She should be focused yeah, on this right. girl's hands because this girl's got legit hands. Definitely, and, and I think this is the fight that she needs to go out there and prove something, make a statement, retain your title, and then call up Reebok and say, where's my money? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I've never seen this Joanna chick fight, but I like her, man. Watching the, um, the countdown videos yeah. and stuff, she's, uh, she, she, she's got like a little personality to her, man. She's funny. She's very confident. She's undefeated. And uh, I thought she, I was at her, her last fight. I thought she lost the last fight. Really? It was the one in Arizona. Okay. Against I, I was there. I think everyone thought she lost. The problem was the girl she beat, Claudia, after the fight, kicked her. Uh, after the belt, after the like, they were both kind of. Well, she was. She, yeah, Joanna was uh was like fingering the girl in the eye. And then, uh, not, I mean, not in like a sexual <laughs> way, but she kept, she kept poking the girl's eye. And, and, then, and then Claudia took her down and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they, like, some scuffle happened. Then like the, the, the bell rang and then Claudia kicked her. So everyone was like, fuck you for kicking her. So then when she got the nod, people were like not caring because she, gotcha. she kind of showed bad sportsmanship. Um, I thought she lost the last fight. I thought she got taken down by Claudia, who doesn't have great wrestling. Carla Esparza is an all-American wrestler. Uh, wrestled four years in college for a uh, little known fact the same school as uh, Cody Gibson uh, Ashley Evan Smith and uh, what's his name Danny Castillo all, all wrestled for the same school you uh, did your research huh? uh, oh, I, I, just, I had them all on the, some school in uh, in, in, uh, in uh, North California uh, Mudlow or Ludlow or something so anyway so I think Carla wins by by boring decision yeah I mean it just like you said, I didn't I haven't seen Joanna fight, but if she's been getting taken down in her fights and she's going against the best wrestler she's ever been against, who is the champion? It's hard not to give Carla the nod. But I'd like to see Joanna throw some hands, man. She was looking she exciting will. in her uh, in her countdown. Now, uh, a fight that's very uh, close to your belt, uh, the 170, Johnny Hendricks versus Matt Brown, which this fight has, I mean, yeah. if this is a boring fight, I will be extremely uh, surprised. Matt Brown left Mike Dolce. I'm not Matt Brown. Hendricks left Mike Dolce. Looks better than ever. Yeah, looking very lean. Uh, seems to have that hunger back. And you know what? Johnny Hendricks is the kind of guy, he, he's got this, like, I've hung out with him before. He's got this, like, Midwest Southern pride where you, you could tell, like, he was a, in college wrestling. He was one of the most hated guys in college wrestling. I think he lost his, uh, I think he, he, he wanted, I believe he wanted his junior and sophomore year lost his senior year by one point if I'm, if I'm thinking and he was one of those guys that got booed a lot he was like a, this like guy that you love to hate at OSU he had this swagger about him which he kind of lost a little bit in the UFC mm -hmm. I think he got complacent he got he got fat he got lazy <laughs> he's a drinker and I think losing to Robbie Lawler and having people forget about him a little bit really pissed him off and uh, hopefully we see it in, in this fight uh, who do you like uh, I gotta go, man. This is a this whole card is kind of a tough one for me, man. But I gotta go with Johnny Hendricks based on his uh, badass truck alone. Have <laughs> you seen his truck? He's got like a Ford six fifty or some shit like that. I don't even know they go that high. It's like it's like a monster truck, but it looks like a uh, like a like a. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. It's you, the craziest the, truck I've ever seen, man. It's like twelve feet high in the air. For dogs, he's got he's got speakers <laughs> that come out of the back. He could tow freaking like thousands. Uh, it's crazy. So he's got a badass truck. I'm gonna go with him. I like to have that truck one day. <laughs> because of his truck. Uh, Tyler, 
Uh, yeah, this is a toss up too. I mean, I'm gonna go with Hendricks just because he's looked so good in all of. I mean, like in his run when he uh, when he first came in. Matt Brown is so durable, so tough, but he has this tendency to kind of like get sometimes get in trouble. Oh, tendency then, every fight. Well, that's what I'm saying. He has this tendency to get down and then kind of make a comeback. And I just feel like if that happens, Johnny Hendricks is not a guy that it. I feel like if Johnny gets him hurt, he's gonna finish. It's a strange fight. It's a very it's a, it's a great fight, but you got Hendricks because I mean he's one of those also guys that uh. Uh, like I remember, we hung out in Vegas, and he said he he owns like a hundred acres of land, yeah. and his goal was to own three hundred acres, and then he wants to quit fighting and just live on a farm. He's a very simple guy, yeah, he's a uh, country boy, man. and a uh, country boy. Matt Brown recently got in some issue with his jujitsu coach, where he beat him up at the gym allegedly. Uh, the the, it was the the guy called the cops. I guess charges were all dropped, and I, I think they're both co-owners of the same gym. It was something where like <laughs> it was something strange. I I don't know exactly what happens so i can't really comment on it but it's not what you need to do focus on before your fight definitely it's a big distraction big distraction your your own coach i mean when you start beating up your own coaches <laughs> yeah i like... mean he, he he might have you know be doing dealing with legal issues during this camp and other distractions so we'll yeah see. uh I, I i like johnny in this fight too um i just but the only my only concern with johnny is how many punches he's taken in the UFC, yeah. he's taking so many shots. That uh, fight that, with Lawler was. Crazy. I mean, and and eventually your chin goes, and that's that's yeah. my only concern. That, here. That's a great point, man. I didn't mean to cut you uh, off, but uh, five round fights that's twenty five minutes of fighting, and when you're taking shots like that every single round, one twenty five minute fight could be the same amount of shots that a guy like me has taken in my entire career. You, you know can sometimes, I mean? sometimes you get old overnight, it's, and, and and just a when's that going to happen? Uh, so the other Roy, Roy Nelson Overeem, we got to talk because we have, we have Tim Means calling in two minutes. So Nelson Overeem, who do we like in this fight? I'm going big country. Oof. I'm gonna go with Hobo oh, Santa Claus. Homo Santa Claus. Hobo. Hobo. <laughs> oh, oh, he's a Homo Santa Claus. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I like Homo better. <laughs> no, I mean he's got he's good. Uh, Roy Nelson's just one of those guys. Like I just uh, I just want to see him win. And I know Alistair, uh, dude, his his chin's about as suspect as his physique. So uh, <laughs> I would love to see Roy hit him with that big overhand right and drop him and just like I said, it's overeem versus overeat. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one guy eats like a horse, the other guy eats actual horses. Uh, so who do you like now? Uh, um, I gotta go with the Reem, man. I think he's gonna pick him apart. Nelson's shown trouble against high level strikers who have the range on him. The only thing that Reem needs to watch out for is he loves to do this move where he'll stick his hands up and he'll switch step into a walking knee he'll go in and he'll go with these long knees which he gets away with some guys but when you have a guy like nelson throwing a right overhand constantly you got to be careful with those uh those long knees so as long as he stays out of that danger i think he's going to pick him apart on the feet that's what i that's what i would think too but then with this whole trt ban this random drug testing going on uh, it seems like a lot of these guys that were big three years ago, uh, the Bigfoot Silvas, the Overeems, uh, even the Dan Henderson, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these guys that were on TRT uh, have just been getting, I mean, it's it's been not looking good for these guys. Yeah, yeah. So Roy Nelson, I mean, obviously, the only TRT taken are tacos, ribs, and Twinkies. Um, <laughs> does, does Nelson catch him? Uh, it's going to be a game of cat and mouse. And the, will Nelson ever come back to using his jiu-jitsu in wrestling? He's a guy who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, beat Frank Mir in a grappling tournament yeah. uh, years ago. Years ago. I mean, in the, in the MMA fight, we saw what happened with Mir. But here's a guy, I mean, he's so lazy, he literally <laughs> built a gym in his kitchen. 
because uh, oh. I, I know guys that have trained there. They go they go downstairs. His kitchen? They go downstairs to his house and there's wrestling mats everywhere. Yeah. Like he doesn't yeah. want to leave his house to go to the gym. He just goes downstairs. And he probably still misses training. Uh, <laughs> so so will he ever get back to that? Because if he takes him down on the ground, he could put him in that crucifix yeah. and just pound them out. I think, Adam I think has mats in a cage in his basement too, but it's for something else. <laughs> yes. I think he's too lazy to take guys down and that's why I sort of knocking him out. That's part of it. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but why spend all that energy trying to work for a takedown when he just had these you know hammers as fists yeah uh and now so okay let's let's let, let, let's go one more fight uh we want to talk about uh Cariasso versus cejudo cejudo is an olympian wrestler olympic gold medalist uh has, has missed weight six out of seven times yeah. uh chris carrios is no joke i was at his last fight in arizona that was a good fight and uh you know he's a guy that fought dj for the title uh, almost won is Henry going to make 125? That's the big thing. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, he's missed weight so many times. Is this at the same weight? This is yeah. the same. I mean, if he makes weight, man, he's got a good chance of winning. But if he misses weight again, I mean, who knows what, what they're going to do. It's not a good time in the UFC to miss weight or get caught or get popped with anything. Yeah. Uh, but if, if Henry makes weight, I see him winning this fight. And I was at his fight against Dustin Kimura, and he looked amazing. He kept him mostly standing, uh, didn't even go to the ground. Although I, I saw one of his fights on Access TV where he's been hurt, so mm. he he can get hurt. But uh, I think Henry's one of these guys that like, you know, uh, mentally uh, he's not as capable as he is physically. Uh, he he's got that physical. He's got everything right physically, but it, like you said, you know, Cejudo, you mean Cejudo? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's uh, you know, you got to be mentally strong. You, you got you can't go and weight missing weight in the UFC in your first fight. Mm -hmm. It's just, but it's you know. And it's unbelievable to see that too from like an Olympic caliber wrestler who's you've been making weight your entire life. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's you, weird. You know that's what you got to do, and to not be on point. So I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of like if it's a toss up for me, I kind of always lean towards the wrestler just because uh, I also I wrestled too, and I I just I like I appreciate the that aspect of the game. But you know those guys are always tough, and you know they've been at it forever. But um, yeah, you, you, you also question discipline, too. If someone can't make weight, you, you're like, all right, well, what else are they slacking on? Right. His nickname is The Messenger. There's a message, fucking make weight. Now, so, <laughs> so we, all right, we're going to call Tim Means, uh, who's the dirty bird. Then we have Gary Goodridge. Thank you for listening so far. You guys rule. My guests, I, I love having Al in the studio. I love having you here, Tyler. Thanks for all your help. Let's call Tim right now. Hey, Tim Means. What is happening? What's going on? You're on the podcast today. It's me, Alan Juban. What's up, man? Tyler Bowe. How, How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So we have, uh, we have Tim Means on, who's on a three-fight winning streak, who is killing it as of late in the UFC. He was in the UFC. He went 2-2. Two and two. He got cut. Uh, he, he went to a couple of fights, came back with a, a vengeance, What's the secret, man? How you feeling? What's the difference? What's going on? Uh, you know, the only difference is the more calories. Been, been getting to eat a whole lot more and mm -hmm. not stress on making 155 pounds, you know? So um, fighting's become fun again. Training's fun again without the stress levels high. So ultimately just enjoying everything more. Now, uh, now I mean, now, what weight do you nor uh, normally uh, walk around at? Uh, I'm like 195 right now, so that's that's usually my weight to cut to to 170. Before that, I was like 180, cutting to 155. But Jeez. the more time I spend in the gym, the more I kind of 
started creeping up in, in, in the weight. So, um, you know, they'd offer me a new contract at 155 with the UFC. And, um, you know, just my options to move up. They, they said I could go to Legacy, fight over there, and come back at 170 if I did well. And uh, <clears throat> that's it. That's exactly what, what went down. I went over, fought Pete Spratt, fought Artemis Young, and just felt good at 170. So, so you were you were offered a contract back in the UFC at 155, and you turned that down to come back at 170. Is that what you're saying? Um, they offered me the contract at 155, another four fight deal. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, you know the option to to go over to Legacy and fight in the new weight class was put on the table also, and I and I went that route. Joe Silva wanted me to go over to Legacy, said he'd bring me back if I did well, and uh, yeah, here we are. Very cool, man. Took a gamble and it paid off. It looks like. <laughs> Uh, your, your last fight against uh, against Lima was great, man. I mean, you you uh, you uh, stopped him. Since then, his teammate called you out, Colby Covington, uh, on Twitter. Have you have you seen that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I keep retweeting all of his tweets. That's cool, man. You know, uh, when you're losing, nobody wants to fight you. Your name's not coming out anyone anyone's mouth. But you know, now that now that I'm winning fights, you know, I got got guys uh, wanting to jump up on me. So. You know, that, that's cool. You know, I'm never going to be short of fights as long as uh, I keep having guys call me out. And that's the business I'm in. So, cool beans. Nice. So, it, it doesn't like, you, you, you like, don't take it personal? Like, this motherfucker's calling me out? No, man. There's a, there's a time to get in people's face and make it personal, you know. I I, I think it's I think it's cool that, uh, and, and a compliment that uh, he's on my radar, or he's, I'm on his radar. So, um, right now, he's in the back. I'm kind of just looking forward. You know, he, he has just a couple fights, seven fights or whatever, but... He's a beast. He's an animal, so um, it, it, it makes me want to stay on my toes. That uh, you know, guys do want to come in and, and and kick my head off. So you know, I got to be ready, have my cardio up all the time, and, and just be prepared. Right, Tim. What's up, man? It's Alan again. Um, yeah, we spoke in the hotel briefly before the fight at 184, and then uh, we both had elbow knockouts on that card as well. Yeah. So. Obviously, yeah, yeah. something kind of rubbed off with one of us. But I thought I, I thought I read somewhere that you might have injured your elbow in that fight. Is that, are you injured? Are you hurt? Or you have to get it checked out? What's going on? Oh yeah, they made me get an X-ray. You know, I had a lump on my elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like hitting pads or, or a bag. You know, you're cracking people on top of the head. So right. uh, I, I had I had a I had a lump, and uh, the doctor wanted me to go get a, an X-ray for a possible fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent that paperwork in, got my X-ray, and and I'm good. Elbows back to normal. Uh, you know, your your body your body adjusts real nice when you're in shape. So I'll be able to look good. Do you have another fight scheduled, or are you taking some time off for a while, or what's coming up for you? Uh, Joe said June or July, so you know I'm just uh, kind of kicking back, waiting till then. So uh, yeah. um, well, not necessarily waiting till then, but I got a mountain bike riding today, and just going to kind of start tapering off the cardio again. Now I was doing my research on you. You have not had an easy life. Uh, you, uh, I was, I, I read that when you were 19 years old, you were hanging out with the wrong crew, right? You were getting in some trouble, hanging out with the wrong kids. You were at a fast yeah. food restaurant. Somebody cut somebody online, which led to uh, some kind of scuffle. This guy made a phone call. Somebody came with a gun and then shot you in the leg. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think I was hanging out with with pretty good guys. You know, just I was a, I was a turd. You know, I was a shit <laughs> in the group. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a guy challenged, challenged one of my buddies who's a bigger guy, a teddy bear. Uh, and I, I, I felt like I, I had to prove something at that time, you know, and, uh, put myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. So you get shot in the leg, right? You, you end up like having to, now this is after your MMA career started or, or uh, before? Yeah, I was like, 
I think I was three and zero or something. Had a couple of amateur fights, you know, and yeah, I thought I was I was top dog, you know. MMA was new. Uh, I was a guy that was kind of getting picked on in school, and in return, I wanted to prove that that I wasn't I wasn't a nerd and all that. Well, in reality, I guess I am, you know. But I just, <laughs> you know, didn't didn't want to be that guy, I guess. And uh, you know, I just put myself in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you know, caught up to me. But that- yeah, the, the MMA career was definitely going. Um, and I, I just got cocky, man. Rather than being a martial artist, uh, I, I, I took the fight into the streets and just wasn't leading by example, I guess. I, I, I was just a kid. And Now, did you have wrestling in high school or jiu-jitsu or karate? Or? Uh, I wrestled in high school, yeah. Uh, that's about the only time when I really stayed focused in school. You know, my, I guess my ADD, if they say I have that stuff, uh, would get the best of me, and I, I would just lose the focus and wind up getting street fights and fights at school and I would fall off but during wrestling season you know it was a good time for me but uh did you, you play know, like in the states at all I mean did, did, did you play were you were you a good wrestler in high school yeah I was all right you know I was happy, you know but uh it, it definitely had me I definitely was able to build confidence from it because you're out there by yourself and you know the competition you don't have to depend on a team when you're out there you know that, that was all cool to me now after you get shot in the leg right you then you, they, they, they give you Vicodin to kind of kind of cool that up, right? They said, "Oh, here's some Vicodin to to heal that pain." You get hooked on Vicodin, right? Yeah. And then yeah. then afterwards, then the Vicodin is not doing anything for you after what, like six months, eight months? Yeah, no, no, the Vicodin was still kicking ass, man. I was I was having a good time. Just uh, the prescription ran out, you know, so I had to move on to the other ones. Yeah. So then you start doing cocaine and meth. Yeah. Now, now, when you now, so you're just like this fighter, jacked up guy with a broken leg, uh, just running around on coke and meth, correct? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, by the time the meth rolled around, yeah, I had uh, I'd gotten healed up from from the gunshot wound, but uh, yeah, I was definitely in a in a chemical state for sure. You were, know? You, so, uh, were you still fighting at that time? What was that? Were, were you still competing? Um, yeah, when I had the gunshot wound, I, I, I fought Spencer Fisher like two weeks after being shot. I had, I had gauze and everything stuck in my leg and, and stitches and stuff. And we didn't have a commission then, so they didn't they didn't run you through like this medical thing, you know what I mean? They didn't check you out. And my coach Tom had asked me, hey, are you good? I lied to him and uh, just had him go off my word that I was okay. And he never looked at my leg and I was able to kind of... So you had a bullet in your leg while fighting Spencer Fisher? Yeah, yeah, my leg was all gauze. Like I had staple, or not staple, but big, big stitches still in my leg, and then gauze shut in the wound. Yeah, like oh two my. weeks later. Uh, so okay, so, so so you're still competing yeah. now. Are you doing coke before the fights or no? Um, not not like during the fights or whatever. Like I would stop like that a week out or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was definitely going on. Yeah. So you weren't like 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 in between rounds, just doing lines of coke. <laughs> Nah, man, I was, that, that wasn't going down, you know. Okay, and so... It, it, was, it was just kind of more out of fact, like, in that time, you know, uh, Vicodin and the morphine was happening during those those two fights there, and it was more like, after that happened is when I kind of started venturing into the other judges and rather partying because I came off those losses, and people still had me up on this pedestal that I was a little badass, so I didn't have to really train anymore. I could just show up to the parties, and I was Mr. Cool Guy, you know? How, how did you... Uh, it was just ultimately just poisoning me. Tim, how did you feel that like doing these drugs were affecting your performances? Did you feel like your cardio was still there? Obviously, I don't think your focus would be one hundred percent there if you, you know your mind was elsewhere. But cardio-wise and everything, how did your body respond in the cage? Uh, I was just totally off. There, there yeah. was there were 
me, myself, as a fighter I am now, I wasn't that guy. You know, I was just kind of showing up because I wanted to be called a fighter. You know, I mm-hmm. wasn't putting in no work, nothing like that. I just wanted the title, I guess. You know, I wanted to be a fighter so bad. But uh, the, the the group, the, the people I started hanging out with and I ventured into and uh, was around, they, they were just telling me how badass I was all the time. And I never really had to put the work in because I was already a so-called badass, right? But you were, but you were winning most of your fights still. Um, you know, that was towards the end. I was three and two whenever I winded up having to take a step away from MMA. My coaches weren't trusting him, you know, more. And, uh, just people were looking after me and rather than me taking it as, oh, they're, they're taking care of me, looking after me. I took it as, oh, they're against me and F the world. And, uh, that, that type of sense, I took the negativity out of it and just kind of around with it like everybody was against me and it couldn't have been more opposite, you know, it couldn't have been night and day difference. So then eventually, uh, you said at one point you realized you had no money your, your girlfriend left, your, t- your team left, and you're, you're, and you're hooked on drugs. So you ended up missing a couple of your probations, right? And you just ended up going to jail for four years. But you said that you were actually happy to go to jail because that was the one way you can get off drugs. Yeah, no, I wasn't. There was no happy about going to jail. There's no drugs on that rodeo at all. Oh, okay, so um, I must have read the wrong article. Okay, so, so tell me about this. Um, I, I, there was a family friend that was a judge and I was constantly, you know, just constantly lying to the guy. Uh, he knew I was high on drugs and I, and I was getting synthetic urine vials, you know, like with a temperature gauge and sticking them in my, in my underwear. And, you know, they would show up to do a random on me and I'd be prepared, you know, and this day that, uh, they called me into court, the sheriff showed up, took me into court and they searched me on arrival. And when they searched me, they found that little synthetic vial and it was just a big old mess, man. And, I was caught. Okay, so, so I wasn't getting me tampering with evidence and all that. The judge just sent me to prison, had me finish my misdemeanor time. Like, I don't have felonies. Oh wait, I had enough time on. So wait, so when you, you 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 have fake urine in your like right by your penis, basically, and they they, oh, they yeah. fucking search you and pull out this fake urine. I mean, are, are oh, you yeah. are you like ta da? I mean, was that like a carrot top <laughs> thing, or, or were you just like, oh fuck? Oh, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't funny then. I knew I was caught, and everything I did was to try to stay out of jail and just keep my habit going. You know, that's all I was focused on at that point in life. How, how long did this? And, go, uh, how long did that go on for, Tim? Like, how long did you have to keep that it, with you? I left. I left MMA in 2005, I think, and it went on until about two. I got released from prison in 2009. So that that whole stretch, minus when I was in prison, is when I realized, hey, this sucks. When I had to sit there, call home on Christmases and Thanksgiving. Uh, my nephews were getting the phone call, and I just really felt like I was poisoning my my younger generation coming up behind me, and it just really made me feel. Uh, I was just embarrassed of my actions. Really, I was just embarrassed of myself. Now, when you walk into prison, right? What's your, what's your record going into into prison? Uh, going in like street like prison fights? No, no, actually, like <laughs> MMA record. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> uh, I was three and two, I think, going going into. Now, uh, now, is everybody like, oh, here comes a tough MMA guy in prison? We got to test him. This guy fought Spencer Fisher. This guy beat Bobby. Uh, you right? You beat Bobby. What's yeah, his name? Bobby Green. Bobby Green. The the guys try to test you. <laughs> no, man. When I when I walked in, I was a skinny white guy. I guarantee there was no tough toughness coming out of anybody's mouth but uh um i got i got right when i walked in my buddies were telling me stories from county jail and i was intimidated walking in this big tattoo guy confronted me right away and i handed him my paperwork and then uh something just told me jump on him and whoop him and uh i did that in front of the pod there's probably 50 guys in the pond and uh 
they took me to the hole. I came back and I, I wasn't messed with at all. I played basketball. There, man, at the time I was there, you know, there was a detail crew I worked on, like picking up trash and sh- things, things of that nature. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I was intimidated. Now, 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 when you say you beat up this guy, so this big tattoo guy comes up to you and he's like, "Uh, now, I mean, do you, do you, do you double leg him? Do you just hit him with a five piece combo? I mean, what what exactly do you? Uh, how do you how do you take this guy? Uh, I handed him the paperwork and then like I was carrying my mattress and my bag of clothes and I set my stuff down and then when I looked back up, he didn't he didn't look friendly, so I just hit him a few times and then the COs ran in and separated us, threw me the hole and yeah. My, t- my jail time continued after that. Is that is that on your Wikipedia page, like uh, jailhouse fight uh, one? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I did see the sauna. I did see the yeah. sauna was on my yeah. Wikipedia which, which page. by the way, if you, if, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, so Tim Means uh, when he fought was supposed to fight Abel Trujillo, which would have been a great fight. He goes into the sauna passes out in the sauna the night before the fight they have to call the fight and then of course everyone on uh, Twitter and um, b- everyone being me was writing Tim Means got TKO by a sauna the sauna got fight of the night uh, the sauna got the, the, the fight bonus uh, and then someone yeah. on Wikipedia wrote Tim Means knocked out by sauna <laughs> I saw that too I saw that <laughs> but uh, wait wait which was, you know, stupid. I blame it on the Abilene. The Abilene was the was oh, yeah. the slipperier factor in that whole incident. <laughs> and he doesn't get enough credit for uh <laughs> gets too much credit, you know, you gotta hand some off to the Abilene too. Hey, going back to the jailhouse fight, um so did you did your stay in jail get extended because of that fight? Yeah, I lost some good time, but I was able to earn my points back and do all that with uh programming and I was going to school to get my G D and then uh I was also programming where they put you in a little circle and you have to talk about your anger and your drug problems and mm-hmm. things of that nature um so yeah you know uh prison was really kind of just overrated i got there and it was just kind of a camp for people that think they're too smart really you yeah. know and uh um yeah man so did you bang any any of the female wardens <laughs> yeah no no man uh, i seen a bunch of ceos getting fired for like bringing tobacco and shit into inmates you'd be surprised at that number but um yeah, no, no, no female inmates for me. Did you witness any like rapes? I mean, was it was that was that hard? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't see any rapes, but you definitely know who was girlfriend, boyfriend, that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, that must. Yeah. I mean, now, now, did, did any guys want you to join their gangs? Uh, no, no, not that I know of. You know, uh, I kind of just kept my mouth shut after I got my first little bit of trouble in there, and uh, just did my own thing, man. Kept my head down and just worried about getting out you know what man i you know i give you a lot of credit man because you're a guy who was in prison for four years and the peak like i mean age what 21 to 25 which a lot of people think is the peak of an athlete's year you came out you were three and two you hadn't trained in four years i i I read that you actually didn't want to hit the heavy bag in prison because you were afraid if there was a heavy bag that if you did guys would think you were tough and then and then try to challenge you correct yeah, I, de- I definitely didn't want to, after I got in that fight, like Alan said, I lost that good time, and I definitely didn't want that window to get further away, so I, I didn't mm-hmm. throw punches on nothing. I play basketball and, you know, just do that for some cardio or whatever, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I minded my own business and, and stayed away from situations that would prevent me from getting out sooner. But you know, I mean, or, I mean, but now look right at you. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, now you're at the top of your game. I mean, you, you, you won your last, what, like nine out of 10 fights. Uh, I mean, you're, you're killing it. You, you are an inspiration for all the guys locked up right now. Honestly, honestly, if I was at guys in San Quentin or, or Pelican Bay, they should have your poster on the wall <laughs> being like, one day we can get out of here and get paid to beat people up. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I don't know if all that's going on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I have buddies that, that you know, I, I'm still in contact with that are locked up for a super long time. Um, you know, I, I still touch base with those guys. And, you know, they're, they're super positive. They just let their anger, some of those guys let their anger get away from them for five, five, ten seconds, and it, it costs them the remainder of their lives, you know, in, in, in a state facility. So, um, you know, I, I try to go around. I just talked to kids at drug court the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, if we can just control these emotions, get more kids in, whether it's doing some type of physical activity, you know, not just sitting at home playing these crazy video games and going home or going to school pissed off all the time. If we can vent those frustrations and help some kids out, I'm all for it. Do you, Tim, do you think you're more focused now because you know how bad things can get if you go down the wrong path? Or do you think you're just back on track to where you would have been had you not gone that way? Um, I, I think I'm on track because, you know, this is paying me just putting food on the table for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, having to wash my underwear in the sink and, and, and eat nasty-ass food and people go to check go to bed when, when they tell you to go to bed, you know, that that's an embarrassing feat in my, in my eyes. And it just, it feels a whole lot better opening, opening my refrigerator, drink my apple juice, you know? So, um, the ultimate thing was I called home, talked to my nephew one day and he was old enough to realize where I was at. And I, I did not want my guys to follow, follow my footsteps. I wasn't cool. Um, nothing like that. And I have a nephew in my teens class that I teach, uh, there at NHB in Albuquerque. And uh, just leading a whole different life. He's got straight A's. He plays the, the saxophone in the band, and I just have to be more proud of the young man. Now, that, that first girl you banged after prison, did you shoot a, like, a load through her? I mean, did it, did, did it come out her back? Because I know, I mean, being pent up for four years, you must have just, I mean, right? Uh, I don't think I was really pent up, you know? Like, uh, I got my alone time when I needed it, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's what you're asking, you know? I, uh, that's one reason to go to solitary. Really make it a moment, but uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. So, well, Tim, listen, man, you you are you are an inspiration to everybody. Uh, they should make a movie about you, honestly, and uh, they really should. I'd be the first one to see it. Um, th- th- thank you so much. Where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, at means Tim on Twitter, and then Tim Dirty Bird means on Facebook. Cool. Well, th- thanks for coming on the show. We're gonna have you on after your next fight. Keep up the great work, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. All right, that was uh, that was Tim Means. Yep. Now we're gonna go ahead and call Gary Goodridge. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. Okay. (laughs) Guys had a crazy life, huh? Seriously. Yeah. Shot, went to jail, made it back to the UFC. I feel like there's a lot of guys in the fight game that have like gone really far south before this. All right, our, our our next guest is uh, a former K1 champion, uh, a UFC legend, uh, an honorary fourth degree black belt in Seaboom Neem, uh, as well as a arm wrestling 12-time world champion, Gary Goodrich. How are you, buddy? Hey, everybody. I'm okay. I'm doing great. What's up, Gary? Uh, you're on here with Alan Juban and comedian Tyler Bowe. Uh, how are you, man? Uh, what's going on? Talk to us. I'm almost wonderful. Um, uh, just uh, in the midst of opening up a school in Barrie, uh, Ontario, where I'm from, and uh, just doing seminars. Doing seminars, moving around. Now, I was watching your uh, some of your fights last night, and by the way, man, uh, it was an honor to watch your fights. I, I, I watched your first UFC fight uh, against Paul Herrera. 
Uh, this guy's an all-American wrestler. He comes in for a fireman's carry. And you must have hit this guy with like 30 elbows in, in, in 12 seconds. Uh, tell us about that, Gary. You know what? If John McCarthy didn't pull me off, I'd still be in the <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop. I was just out of... I couldn't believe exactly what I, what I was training for. Um, no less than 12 hours before that, he came and did the same thing to me. So um, it's just... They had to pull me off, or else I'd still be there, as I said. Now, now... Uh... Now, I, I, I read somewhere that your actually corner had seen him trying that move in practice or something, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're on the beach in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And if you saw all our lead-up interviews um, back then in the UFC, they did, uh, they did fighter interviews for everybody before we fought. Um, you know, they, they did them before the, the even started. They went anything. So, um, so they kept on seeing him doing the same move over and over. The fireman carry. Same when I had a wrestler with me. So uh, John Knapp and uh, Fong Tran uh, from Barry, uh, they, they work at Honda McKenna and their veteran. Uh, they, they, they came up with the move uh, the night before the fight. We came up with the move with that particular move that I got him in uh, the night before the fight. So we practiced that move, uh, I don't know, a hundred times. Man, I was at wow. carpet burn on my knees, <laughs> on my back, on my legs, all over the place for practice. Trying to, trying to um, nail him for that move. And the, what, next thing you know, I'm, I'm in the ring, and he does the exact same thing <laughs> that I was practicing now like 300 times the night before. Gary, it's Alan. I feel like I see a highlight of that fight at least once a month, man. I always see that. It's kind of a classic fight. Do you consider that one of your top fights ever? I mean, one of your most famous fights? You know what? I, I've never fought before. That was the first I ever had that was uh, that was the pinnacle of everything. Before that, I was a, a boxer, but it's, it's not the same. That but, one took uh, you to the next level, yeah. Yeah, this is just a whole new different ball of wax, and I just, it was just everything. It was just everything. I gave everything into that elbow, into mm -hmm. that move. I just executed it perfect. He was he did the same thing everybody done to me huh. the night before. Now, in the finals of that of that tournament, you uh, you ended up losing to Don Fry, um, but then uh, you lost to him again, and then you, but then you beat him uh, six years later. You knocked him out via head kick, which is one of the craziest head kicks I've seen. Uh, now, how good did that feel to finally win that fight over Don Fry? Oh man, you know you know what? Um, the, the thing about it, I had so much things to motion simply because of that. I was leaving. I was leaving Pride to go um to, I was leaving Pride altogether to move to uh I was, I was leaving I was leaving fighting. That was my uh, farewell fight from uh from K one from the cage at all. And uh for not the K one from my Pride. I was going home and to stay home. Um and then when it happened it was just wow, I couldn't believe it. this guy who has beat me two times before that and uh Finally, I got the win. I, I kicked a knockout, a definite, like, no judging decision. It was just such a great thing. And then on top of it, I had really liked Don Fry that, uh, you know, and I was I was sorry that I hurt him. <laughs> yeah. You know, there were so many moves. There were so many emotions involved in that fight that uh, I really loved the guy, too. And, and even today, you know, I talked to him yesterday. 
I love the guy. <laughs> now I gotta, I got. He's a man's man. He's a gentleman. I gotta, I gotta ask you. So I was reading that you went to Brazil, and I actually saw the fight on July 6, 1997. You beat Augusto Santos, Cal Worsham, and Pedro Otavio in one night in Valle Tudo. But yeah. you, when you beat Otavio, you won by squeezing his testicles. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Uh, please tell us about this. What, I'm sorry. Uh, now t- take us through that fight. So I mean, y- oh, you know what? I, it, you know, the first fight, my first fight was uh, I don't know under 30 seconds. My second fight was also under 30 seconds. His first fight was 30 minutes. It went to the whole wow. limit. His second fight was 30 minutes. So when he came to me, I he was tired. I knew he was tired, but so was I. I didn't know that how uh, cardio I had anything to do with fighting. I let you just go and get out there and fight. So. Um, uh, we ended up fighting, uh, you know, I had to make some peanut butter. <laughs> Wait, so you were squeezing his nuts trying to make peanut butter? Exactly. <laughs> you know what? He, the, the Sergio told me that how there's no rules in this fight. There's no rules. There's no rules. Come to my fight for Zelda. There's no rules. Are you sure there's no rules? Well, there's no biting and no eye gouging. But besides that, there's no rules. All right. That, they, they sound great. I mean, why'd you take out my two favorite things? I like biting and I like eye gouging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when you get down there, I can't do my two favorite things. There's no biting and no eye guys. All right, so I got to stick something up. And it just worked in that how uh, I, I, I decided to make peanut butter while we were fighting, you know? So that's like, your third but, favorite thing. But, I mean, but wasn't the guy wearing a cup? He was wearing a cup. I had to push it to the side. <laughs> <laughs> to the side I get in there and, and, you know, grind them up a little bit. I, yeah, there was no rules. I mean, we have no rules, no rules. You got to go for the win. But now, when, when you're when you're moving the guy's cup and squeezing his <laughs> testicles, I mean, what is, is, is he like? Come on, dude, this is bullshit. Or, 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 or the guy's just wincing in pain, or I mean, because I mean, you're, you're an arm wrestling champion too. Right. You have you have a grip. Did you go over the top or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went over the cup. Man. Over the cup, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that must have been. I mean, that he must have been in such pain when you squeeze his balls. I mean, afterwards. I hope it wasn't. Uh, yeah, there was no rules. <laughs> now you, now you, yeah, you had Kevin Randleman and Coleman in your in your corner for that fight, right? Yes, I did. Great cornerman. Now, now, what did they tell you afterwards? Did they, did they say good work? Uh, that was. Oh, a, right there, yeah, they never said. Nobody's ever said anything about it. Nobody said anything. Good, good work, good day to go. That that's that's fucking insane. Now I gotta ask you. Know you what? what? There was no rules. The thing about it, though, you gotta remember that there was no rules, no rules. It got me down there because they told me it was no rules. I wouldn't have came down if it was rules. Yeah, that is both. They say no rules, and you say you can't bite and then you can't headbutt. I'd be pretty pissed too. Yeah. What, what was the? That was in what? 1997. Yeah. And and you won the that was tournament with that. Yeah. yeah. So right. how much? How much does a no rules Valley Tudo type purse pay uh, to the winner of the tournament back then? In 1997, it was uh, twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. That's not a bad purse, actually. No. For, I'd know. grab a dick for twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I've given hand jobs for less. Now, <laughs> now what did um? Now, now, did the guys in Brazil afterwards? Did they give you dirty looks? Like, hey, man. Y- no, not at all. That's not cool. Not at all. Yeah. It was uh, good, good way to go. Uh, you, you did it. <laughs> Nobody got anything. But actually, Sergio told me after that. He said, you ruined my show. I said, I ruined your show. How did I ruin I almost got into a fight. How did I ruin your show? You told me there was no rules.
That's crazy. Now, I got to say, I saw the, the movie Foxcatcher. Uh, you fought Mark Schultz, who was a two-time Olympian wrestler. But in the movie, they, yeah. made, you, they made you a white guy. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, what people the told me that. I haven't seen it. How the hell can a Gary Goodrich be a white guy? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. They made his uh, that, that 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 would that would piss me off. Uh, but I guess uh, you know. Well, you know what? I am the most non-racial person there is, but I like who I like me. You know what? You know what's the best thing I like? What's that? You know what? The, you know what I like? I love me. I love me. So when you, <laughs> when you put me, give me a white dude. Come on. I, I get all angry with that. <laughs> I don't blame you. Told me about that. I haven't seen the movie yet. If, if anybody wants to make me black, though, you go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be pissed too. Now there was a guy that when I, when I used to go to Legends uh, with Alan, there was a guy Amir. Uh, now Amir. Amir was Amir was was he, was he your coach too? He was he was one of my first MMA coaches as well. Which yeah, same guy that you actually fought in Pride. Now he was crazy. Yeah, he he Amir would let everybody just fight in his class. It was like he would teach a couple moves, and then it became Fight Club. Uh, and I, but then I go, his first MMA fight was against Gary Goodrich, and during that fight, you're on top of him. He's punching you. You're laughing at him and saying child's play. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> terrible. It was good, but here's the thing about Amir. The thing, the, the, Amir's a great kid too. Mm-hmm. A great kid, I really like the kid. Um, we're fighting, and we're talking to each other as we're fighting. Oh yeah, where I, I smack him, I say, "Oh, you feel that?" He said, "Oh yeah, I like it." Uh, watch out, <laughs> this boom, and he smacked me back, or you know, he said, "Yeah, watch out, we do something real soon," and then he punched me in the side of the head, and then. We, the whole fight, but nobody else could hear us. We can hear each other talking. So then I, I just opened up. We got in a real good position until everybody heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, who's a, who's a guy that you wish you could have fought? Oh, man. You know what? I fought everybody. There's, there's nobody. Uh, I fought everybody. But like a Tito Ortiz? Now, um, I wish... I wish Right. I wish I could have fought John Jones. Who? Who? John Jones. John, John Jones. Jones, yeah. John Jones, yeah. I, just simply, not that I hate him or nothing, just simply because um, I like I like his style, I like what he does. I'd like to see how I match up against and, and what age do you think you were in your prime that you think you would have competed best against John Jones? Um, when I was 30, I started this whole game when I was 30 years old. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I mean, I started when I was thirty years old. So, uh, how old you? How old were you? When you know, what, what age is that? I was good all the way through. No, you know, I feel like I'm still like jumping in the ring, and kick out now. You've no, got I, such an impressive fight record. So you started at thirty. When? How often were you fighting? Thirty years old. How often were you fighting? Like every week or every Damn. month or every month, I have at least two fights. I fought all the time. You're you're busy all the time. Your one knockout time. versus Oleg uh, was super impressive. That's when plant yeah. planking got invented. Yeah, your fight <laughs> against Oleg was 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 really. Now your loss to Fedor, that was that that was a rough fight for me to watch because obviously even though I know what happened, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge big daddy fan. What do you think went wrong in that fight? You know what, Fedor is uh, not a really super great person in terms of his. his Skills or anything. And, uh, what what got me is um, you know when when you have to fight a fight, they go from 
zero to one to two to three to four, and they, they put it on slowly, you know, the jab here, jab there. Well, Fedor goes from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. with no, there's no steps in between. There's no zero, there's no one, there's no a jab, a kick. No, he goes from zero to a hundred right away. And they threw me right off. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting zero. I was laying back, you know, start, things start slow, but he cornered me with that. And that, after that, like, that's their fourth side of everybody. Attack them. Attack now, didn't, didn't you, you, you took that fight on short notice, right? I took that fight in five days. Wow. <laughs> I was in Japan already. Mark Coleman was supposed to fight the door, and um, he ended up injuring himself in practice. And um, Mark Coleman backed out of because he couldn't fight the door. He injured himself. And now, next thing I had to fight, they said, Gary, how about Gary? Gary, I'll take you. <laughs> sure, he will. How much you paying me? Wow, uh, were you there? Were you there to corner him? Yeah. Were you there to corner him? Corner who? Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman. No, I was there to corner myself. I was there. To, yes, I was there to corner him. So you're, so you're there to corner Mark Coleman. They say you want to fight Fedor on five days' notice. Is there is there is there a, uh, any kind of thought saying probably not the best idea, or are you just like fuck it? No. Uh, fuck it. You know what? I'm a fighter. It's a fight. Am I in shape? I'm not in great shape, but I'm okay. I'm alright. I can throw down. <laughs> you fought. The, you fought the greatest fighter of all time on five day notice. You, five day notice. You are. You are uh, a, a badass amongst badasses. Now. Um, you know what? The, the thing is that when you're a fighter, you're fighting all all year round, every minute of every day. Just because you don't have a little cardio, you're still a fighter. So if you're gonna fight because you're a fighter, then fight. You're gonna be a pussy, then go over there. Yeah. Now your fight against Ogaya, Ogawa. Uh, they offered you actually. You were in Pride, and people offered you money, correct, to take a bribe? Yeah, his corner. His corner offered me. They said uh, they wanted to pay me extra money uh, to lose. But uh, wow. I said no. I want to fight. His corner, um, because he's such a big name over there. He's um, he was a huge. Uh, I think he was. Gold medal, so silver medalist in the Olympics. He had a huge name from a professional wrestler. So he had a, he was like, um, at the time he was like uh, Hulk Hogan over there. Right. So when they happened to fight Ogawa, fight Hulk Hogan, sure, I'll fight Ogawa. And then when we got down there, they, they said, oh, well, here's a little bit dangerous. Why don't you, those people who make it big at the time. So I said, uh, take it down. I said, no, I want to fight. I, I really wanted to kick it out. Now, how many? But, uh, <laughs> but here's what happened. Here's what, I wanted to kick it out. So when uh, the, 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 the owner of the organization, he never talked to anybody, came to me and said, Gary, um, we really want you to fight o- uh, to win Ogawa. If you win Ogawa, uh, your name will go very big here. You will, you, you know, the sky's the limit for you. If you win Ogawa. Right before my fight, he told me this. Never tell a fighter before their fight any kind of bullshit. He came and told me this in my dressing room. If you beat Ogawa, you're, you go platinum. Okay? So when I got out there, I was just, attack, attack, attack. No, no, you know, my whole head was, I gotta win, I gotta win. And, and it, just, it just blew me out. I blew up in like three minutes. I couldn't do nothing. 
No, I mean, yeah, that's that's rough, man. I, I hate even as a comic, people go, "You got to kill, you got to kill." It's just, it's in your head. Yeah, what what what, what should have? But told my corner. If you had to told my corner that, tell oh. your corner that that how this fight is important to Gary. If he needs to, he needs to win this. Uh, told them that, then they would have they would have known. Don't tell me nothing. Just let yeah. me do what I have to do. And I, 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 I I'm not saying I would have kicked his ass. Or that better now, how how many guys how many guys in uh, Pride you think took bribes? The Pride one, ninety percent of them did. Mm. Pride two, probably sixty percent of them. Did. Pride three, it was down to about ten percent, and then it went down from that. It went up. So Pride one, you, you um, think you think ninety percent of the uh, of the fights in Pride one were fixed? Ninety percent of the fights in Pride one were fake. Wow. And then how many guys do you think took steroids? Oh, shit. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the commission like back then? Were they, you know, I mean, obviously the drug testing was, uh, or the drug usage was kind of rampant back then from what I've heard. But, like, was the commission pretty strict? You know, were they watching you wrap your hands and, watch, you know, walking no, with you to the bathroom? No, no, no. You can't put anything in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> there were it was, it was a show. It was uh, it was entertainment. Right, right. Sports entertainment. So it was like um, it was like um, like a WWE over here. Mm-hmm. Sports entertainment. If you can do this or put grease on your neck and make it better, then go ahead and do it. Right. Like, they had people in place to do this, to do that, but they, I'm sure they were told to piss off. Right, right, right. Now, how ma- uh, how many Asian girls did Kevin Random and Bang after the, after <laughs> after the fights? Uh, how many Asian girl what? Did Kevin Random and Bang after the fights? You never went to one party. I never went to a party. Never drank. Never, um, never, never uh, got drunk. Never did any kind of drugs. You would never find one, find one person to say that about me. Uh, according um, to according to Rampage, you and him double team like thirty Asian chicks. That's that's what that's. <laughs> <laughs> but he was sober. That's the word on the street. That's the word on the street. Well, well, listen, Gary Goodridge. So, G- Gary, you are you're a legend, man. You're yeah, man, a legend. A We're gonna have you on all the time. You are you are you are the 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 treasure of Ontario, Canada. Um, where <laughs> Thank you very much. where can people find you? You know what? I'm on I'm at GaryHGoodridge.com on uh sorry at GaryHGoodridge on um, on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on, I'm on Twitter like. Now, now, now did, did did you do you watch the last UFC? By the way, yeah, of course I do. Did did well, I did, don't watch TV. did 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 uh, you watch the one with Allen? Allen fought on the last UFC. Allen Juban. I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> the guy the guy that you're talking to right now. Uh, he's 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 two and one in the in the UFC. Uh, he's right? he's got a great record. He's killing it. Do you, he's he's young. He's good looking. He's married. Do you, do you have any <laughs> advice for Allen? Absolutely. Don't be young. Don't be good looking. And don't be married. <laughs> and don't party. If you're, if you're young and good looking, then you shouldn't be married. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> Why are you married? I mean, <laughs> I, hey, I appreciate the advice. I appreciate the advice. And I've looked up to you, man. I've watched your career for a long time. And uh, I, I, I like to know that you said you started your career at 30. I did the same thing, man. I, I turned pro at 30. I'm uh, 33 now. And uh, so it just kind of shows that the sky's the limit, man. You don't have to start when you're 21 and you can still make a career no, out of it. Don't. So. No, you don't. Everybody thinks you do, but you don't have to. I started the, my first fight. I was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Right on the button. Nothing wrong with it. Nice. Be yourself. Live your dream. I said that to everybody. Live your dream. You know, you got a dream and it's deep inside you. Live it. No. When, when I was growing up, I used to watch Muhammad Ali doing all sorts of things. And right in everybody. And I used to stay up late at night with my dad watching Muhammad Ali. Man, I, I, I fell in love with the man. So I always thought to myself that I'm supposed to Muhammad Ali. I thought that I had to be Muhammad Ali. I, I grew up in a house with four sisters, which is me. So I, I was always what you call a pussy because I was <laughs> I didn't have any brothers. I, you know, I went to summer parties, and that's what I did. My sister had summer parties. I was there, and that, you know, so, so I always aspired and wanted to be Muhammad Ali. So um, our chance came for. Uh, I, I started boxing. I did. I did a little bit of boxing, and then I realized I was allergic to it. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that how I got dizzy, but <laughs> <laughs> people hit me in the head. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it punching at you know a hundred times around. Um, so I, after I realized I won the Canadian championship, and then I said that was it. I can't do that no more. Um, but uh, I, I was I was um won the Canadian Championships, and then I went on a little bit after that, but I was done with boxing. And then this came along when I was 30. Let me tell you, chase your dreams and never leave them. Chase your dreams. It doesn't matter how old you are. Old only in the number. How old you feel. And it's people that don't want to give you a chance because, oh, he's 30 years old, don't give him a chance. No, no, take your chance. Well, they won't give you a chance. Take your chance and go out and live your dream. Well, thanks, Gary, man. We're going to have you back on. It's an honor to talk to you, one of the one of the one of the one of the, one of the greats, one of the all-time greats. So uh, we'll take. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for calling me. Uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Gary H Goodrich, and uh, cool. All right, take care, brother. You're the man, Gary. Thank you, brother. All the best. All right, that was that was Gary Goodrich. So that was our that was our podcast. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? Uh, tomorrow night, actually, I'm headlining the Morongo Casino. Um, and coming up April 3rd and 4th, I'll be headlining down in the Comedy Palace in San Diego. So come check me oh, out. Oh, I love that place. And uh, and where can people find you, Alan? Find me. I live in Studio City these days. Come <laughs> <laughs> uh, find you. Uh, yeah, at Alan Joban is pretty much everything, man. A-L-A-N-J-O-U-B-A-N. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, fan page, all that good stuff. And then, uh, you know, check it out. June 6th, New Orleans. It's going to be going down. It's a great card, a stacked card. I'm honored to be a part of it. And uh, it's going to be a crazy fight. Check me out. And Tyler, uh, that uh, Twitter page? Yeah, yeah. It's at Tyler Bo, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-E-H. Uh, yeah, find me on there. And Alan, who else is on the card? Real quick. Uh, DC's headlining against Ryan Bader, but Dan Henderson's on the card. They've got uh, a couple more heavyweights. Um, can't think of them all right now. That's great. And DC and Bader. And, yeah. and, and you and Ebersol. It's going to be great. Uh, me, uh, I will be 
Uh, where am I going to be? I got, uh, I'm headlining the Looney Bin in Wichita, Kansas uh, in two weeks, as well as um, I'm, in, I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina coming up, uh, adamhunter.com this Friday. Tomorrow night I'll be in Redlands, University of Redlands, uh, California. So, and I'm at the HaHa ha Friday, uh, Saturday night, two shows at the HaHa ha in North Hollywood. Thank you, Evan the Beard. Uh, thank you, Fox Sports. Thank you guys out. Have a great week. Bye-bye.